0: Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked in the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, hun butts and hun bros got my woo back. And uh, I am here with another episode for this week. We're going to meet Amanda Arnold and we talk about crippling debt, like crippling debt and sort of how MLM played into that and how They got out of their crippling debt. It goes in with our financial literacy theme that we're doing this year, sort of teaching and educating. So it's a really good educational episode and it's definitely a lot calmer than last week's episode. Some content warnings on this episode, uh, really quick. We talk about mom shaming and discrimination. We talk about pregnancy and pregnancy loss, and we also talk about labor exploitation and hustle culture. And when we talk about the really triggering stuff, there's actually a trigger warning at that moment in in the episode as well. So yeah, I I really, really liked this episode. It's very uplifting. <laughs> I actually got teary-eyed when we were recording, and then I got teary-eyed again when I was editing the part of me talking about getting teary-eyed. So it is, there's this really great sort of positive, empowering message at the end. And I just felt like it was a really great episode to follow the horrific treatment of Andrew and Will that we learned about last week. I also um, have a couple announcements. First, I wanted to talk about my camping weekend where I lost my woo. Um, It's something that has been happening for 23 years. It's called Feed the Herd and it is always on Earth Day weekend. And it's a, it's a, it's a PCT event sort of, but it's a very like Nobody knows about it except I'm talking about it on the podcast, so maybe more people show up next year. But it's everybody that's northbound on the PCT that's starting around Earth Day. That entire weekend, we meet up at the campground and we do trail magic, and trail magic is essentially just kind of what it sounds like. You're walking for days, you're backpacking, and you're you know, you're know eating dehydrated food, you're sleeping in a tent in the middle of nowhere, and you come across like an oasis, this campground, where we've got tons of food, we've got a hiker table with all kinds of snacks, condiments. We've got the cooler with beer and drinks. There was Yoo-Hoo's and Capri Suns, all kinds of stuff for even the hikers to take when they leave and to like restock. Most of them were pretty good on food because everybody packs too much in the beginning. Um, but you know, fresh fruit and stuff like that—stuff that's hard to get—and we had a really great time. We served like, oh my gosh, I'd say probably total for the whole weekend, just under 200 people. The last night though, we had like 60 people on one night. It was so, it was a lot. It was wonderful. It was really cool. People from all over. We met people from the Czech Republic, people from Canada, people that had like, oh gosh, um, Poland, Germany, Denmark, and I mean, just really, really cool places And met really cool friends. And we had, there was like a swimming hole we went to and we went swimming. (laughs) It was really, it was really cool. We just had a really fun time and I love doing that. We had a tacos and beer night and there were, you know, I was basically interviewing so many people going, Oh, I haven't met you yet. Where are you from? What are you doing? How do you fund this trip? Because, you know, a lot of people are taking five to six months off. So I was like, how do you fund this trip? What do you do? Like, how did you save for it? So it was really, really cool, interesting conversations with new people every single night. And, um, you know, I actually (laughs) randomly, I got recognized by two different people, which was so weird because you're in the middle of nowhere. And both of them were like, you look so familiar and I can't, I can't put my finger on it. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And then someone's like, wait a second. You're the girl from Lula Rich. Oh my God. I know your whole life story. It was really funny. And I thought it was really funny. And we had a good laugh about it. She's like, I'm going to sit next to you later. I'm going to pick your brain. And so I want to say hello to Cheryl because I told her to listen to the podcast. Um, And I hope that you are listening and that the trail is providing more magic for you. There was a lot of pyramid scheme talk because of that. And so many people around the campfire had their own MLM and pyramid scheme and Ponzi scheme stories. Everyone was so eager to tell their stories or to share experiences with me. Lots of people were interested just in the fact that I was a podcaster and how I came across that and how I did that for a living. It was just a really cool thing, you know, just like people connecting and um, it's really fun. I cannot wait to get back on the trail and do more trail magic. It is so great. I already had a couple of people connect with me and say, I want to do this with you next time and or maybe, maybe planning a SoCal camping trip. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Um, and that leads me into sort of my next announcement, which is really exciting. I didn't want to announce it until it had officially been announced because my luck, I don't know, but, um, I am actually going to be at obsessed fest this year. So if you are a fan of true crime obsessed, or, you know, any other podcast on the obsessed network, Um, Jillian has been on the show. She's really fantastic. She's a friend of mine and uh, Patrick reached out to me and he said, Hey, would you be willing to be a part of this? And I said, yes. He said, you know, let's do a a panel on MLMs and cults and the whole cult of MLM. And I was like, oh my God, yes. So that's what I'm doing in October. You can get tickets at ObsessedFest.com. There's a meet and greet and all kinds of stuff. So if you are already planning on going and you're just now finding out that I'm going to be there and you're freaking out and you don't come say hi, I'm going to be so upset. So please, 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 if you will be at ObsessedFest this year, it's in Dallas, Texas in October, please come say hi. If you are there, it would be so wonderful to get a picture and meet you and just connect. Cause that's like one of my favorite things to do. Um, and if all of this sounds so amazing and you're like, what check out their Instagram, um, at obsessed everybody that's coming already. Like, it's so good, you guys. Um, and yeah, like join in, there are still some tickets, some of the packages are sold out, but the events that are planned like I am just it's like podcast summer camp like it really is like I'm so excited I'm so excited to be a part of this so again if you are a fan of the Obsessed Network or any of the shows on the network and you want to be a part of this I would love to meet you um so yeah that's my that's my big announcement I'm really excited I have no idea what I'm gonna do well I have a couple ideas and one of those ideas may include the help of a couple of you guys, (laughs) especially those of you that live in Dallas, Texas, or are willing to travel if you get the drift. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We've got some time. I'm not even going to worry about this seriously for like another month or two, Um, but that's what's coming up and I'm really excited and I wanted to share it with you all first And lastly, I wanted to say thank you to all of our new Patreon members, Will Thompson, Barbara Dunn, Megan Sibbert, Sarah Britton, Amanda Mead, and Ashley Waldrop. Thank you. You guys are amazing. Welcome to the family. I hope you enjoy all the little extra stuff. I need to start going live a little bit more, but I have been gone more than I've been here the last two months. And this month coming up is kind of chill. So we'll be doing some more Patreon stuff. Um, Maybe Andrew and Will want to, I guarantee you, they want to come on and go live and do some fun stuff. So uh, also, if you are a member of the Patreon and you're like, I would love to have this or see that, hit me up. We can message each other, shoot me a message and let me know what you'd like to see because I will do my darndest to make sure that it happens. And lastly, I wanted to say thank you to Kayla for helping me edit this episode and to remind you all to enjoy it. And I will see you next week. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. We are continuing our journey into financial literacy, and we're talking to somebody who actually went into the MLM sort of to help with. It's an interesting story. We're going to get into it. I'll let her tell it. Welcome to the show, Amanda Arnold. It is so great to have you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to talk about this. Um, Again, when I sort of put that call to action about financial independence and literacy and freedom and all of that, there were a lot of people that reached out. A lot of them were professionals, but you were one of those people and you were like, hey, I would love to share my journey. This is what we did and this is how it happened. And I thought it was a really great educational thing. We're going to weave it in. I think it's important to show all sides of sort of these journeys and these struggles. Yeah, I think it's really great. So you were a part of Pampered Chef and you joined right out of college as a new wife. That's already like so much vulnerability. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Where were you in your mind when you were like, hey, Pampered Chef seems like like a good idea where you were?
1: Well, uh, first of all, I grew up with MLMs being a normal thing. I remember going to Pampered Chef parties, Mary Kay parties. I had a best friend whose mom sold Longaberger the baskets, and so this was normal. I don't even think I realized what was actually happening, but I had just gotten married. I was living in a new city because my husband and I basically had this race after college: whoever got a job with health insurance first that would be the city we moved to cuz i moved from college to a different state to take a job he moved to a different city and so his job gave him health insurance first and so i left my job in st louis moved back to iowa where he was and where we're originally from but we're not from the city we live in we got married and he had a ton of student debt i just had a little baby loan that was interest free due to some special circumstances but get a crap ton of student loan debt. And so I was like, okay, I want to make one extra payment of my student loans a month, which was like $50. It was really a ridiculous tiny payment compared to his. And I want to be able to stock our kitchen with all this amazing pampered chef stuff that we can't afford right now, which the irony of this is we just got married. We just got a ton of amazing wedding gifts that stocked our kitchen, but I wanted the pampered chef stuff. So now let's talk I, about that really quick. Let's talk yeah. about the pampered chef and like like the draw. I remember
0: being a child of the 90s, Pampered Chef was really mm-hmm. popular in the 90s and having a mom that had Pampered Chef and it was
1: like the holy grail. Like it was fancy. Yes, like the stainless steel mixing bowls with the lids that are like $98 to buy. I wanted those desperately. And the funny part is, is now that I'm out, I use a cutting board, some sharp knives and a stainless steel pan for most of my cooking. Um, But at the time, I just so desperately wanted the self-sharpening knives that my mom had, the stainless steel mixing bowls. uh, And there was something else that I just desperately felt like I needed. And joining Pampered Chef was going to be my way to do that.
0: Yeah, well it's it's really funny like you're a new wife right out of college. So mm-hmm. like people are even more like I feel the younger you are, people are even more generous when they're like here's your wedding gifts. Here are things. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on starting your new life. You're going to need a lot of stuff. And so the fact that you were like, yeah, that was all good. Like they gave us all the basic stuff, but I really wanted the gadgets and the gifts and the fun stuff. That you really like the chopper that you It's, like, so much easier to just take a knife out, chop, and, like, rinse the knife and put it back than to use a Mm -hmm. chopper and have to take it apart. (laughs) But for some reason, we are, like, that chopper is so amazing.
1: I know, and I desperately wanted one, and now I just use a really sharp chef's knife. And by the time I wash all the pieces of the chopper, it takes less time for me to just pull a knife and chop my stuff. (laughs) I
0: also feel like if you're, if you're using the chopper because you're chopping so much, that's when like a food processor comes into, mm-hmm. and I have one and I very rarely use it. So that's like, that's the mindset. I think people are like, what's the deal with Pampered Chef? And I don't know, like there's ju- there was just something and it's maybe mm-hmm. middle-class white suburban moms. Maybe that's what maybe. was the driving force behind it that other people are like, I don't get it. I'm like, it was the Holy grail, like Pampered Chef's stoneware. Like you brought that out mm-hmm. of the holidays. People were like, oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. Oh, it's my Pamper Chef stoneware. I know a lady getting the catalog. I remember like the, the recipe cards and they would have the parties. I'd always get the recipe cards. Never made anything, but collected all the recipe cards. It just, it was like, I don't know, it was like the height of like a Saturday social sophistication, like for stay-at-home moms. Like it just in the 90s, it just was. Mm-hmm. It was either that. Or a stamp party, like a scrapbooking stamping party.
1: Yes. And I grew up in a really small town, so there wasn't a lot to do. Like evening home parties for some home-based business was, amusing quotation marks for that, that was the social thing. You know, going to a Mary Kay party on a Thursday night, that was the thing we did because uh, there wasn't really much else to do. Yeah. So the gravitating toward that as a young wife coming mm-hmm. out of college,
0: starting your life with your new husband, you're like, this is what I need to do. So in that mindset, anybody that, you know, didn't understand that, I I hope that <laughs> it makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, you know, it's just sort of like what you do. I, I wish there was a better way to explain it.
1: Yeah. So at the time I joined, yeah, I really wanted all the things. I also was in, I feel like this is a recurring theme, but I was in a really vulnerable place. I was in a brand new city with my husband. I was working a job that I had taken because I needed a job in this new city, but I didn't like it. And my boss was really awful. And I didn't know anyone except for my coworkers and my husband's new coworkers. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to meet people doing these parties. But what happened is, I just ended up doing all these parties in my hometown, an hour and a half away from where I was living. So I was hopping in the car, driving an hour and a half one way to go do home parties. So if you do the math, we're talking three hours of drive time, probably a three hour party if I can really get these ladies to focus and order their stuff and I can get out of there, which sounds like a really boring party, right? (laughs) the consultant's like really like, okay, let's go stop chit-chatting. Let's get this ordered so I can drive my hour and a half back home. And so then we're not factoring in any other time of what I had to do to get this party on the calendar or doing any like back office stuff at the end of the party. That's six hours of time. And I was usually, if I made a hundred bucks from this party, that was, that was usually an amazing party for me. Usually I was only making about 50 bucks a party. And you're also working a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a full-time job that I was working about 50 hours a week for. And that was a good week. I was I had the type of job where it was a lab setting and I was doing testing. I started my tests in the morning and I worked until I finished. If I were to leave before I was finished, I just threw out a whole day's worth of work for nothing. So if I had to stay until 10 p.m. to get the tests I had to do done that day. I had to stay until 10 p.m. And I did. I did some nights. So I was working a lot of hours. And then almost every weekend I was doing this thing and spending at least six or seven hours of my life doing these parties for not a ton of reward back. I certainly wasn't making a ton of money doing this.
0: So since you were commuting back to your old hometown, were you doing like a whole weekend where you'd book as many parties as you can and like stay at your parents' house and then come back on a Sunday? I mean,
1: that would have been really nice. Really, I was only getting one party. I think one time in the five years, I got really lucky and I managed to get a party in my hometown on a Friday night and a party in my husband's hometown, which was like another hour west of my parents' on like a Saturday. And so I, we drove like an hour and a half to my parents on Friday, drove another hour and a half to his parents on Saturday, and then two hours back home on Sunday. This is ridiculous. I know now that I'm saying it out loud, it's so ridiculous.
0: Time freedom though.
1: I know. Right. I'm getting to choose to spend my weekends in this horrible way. Oh my God. So yeah. And like, One time, I drove to Lincoln, Nebraska to do a party for a friend of mine that's three hours away from my house. Three hours each way I drove to do a two-hour Pampered Chef party. But hey, I was living the freaking dream, making extra money. I don't think anybody could tell you that you
0: weren't working hard enough.
1: Oh, no. I was busting my butt. I mean, I'm a hard worker. I grew up on a farm. You know, I work hard but I just hadn't connected the dots yet that spending a lot of time and I could have made way more money working one night a week at a bar, way more money.
0: That's true. So two years in, you find Mm -hmm. out that you're pregnant.
1: Yes. And that was a surprise. We were not trying to get pregnant. We were actively trying to prevent being pregnant, um, but surprise, things happen uh, when they're supposed to happen. So I was pregnant and my boss at the time, had made her feelings very clear that she liked all her employees to be single and no kids because they complained a lot less. Iowa is an at-will state. You can essentially be fired for any reason at any time. And so I was fired at 18 weeks pregnant, walked out the door, 40% of our household income, poof, vanished overnight. Wow. We were screwed. I mean, I got, because I had evidence on some not okay things that had happened with my boss. I had been documenting things for a while. Um, They did give up the unemployment fight (laughs) pretty quickly. So I did get unemployment, but it wasn't, it basically paid for the COBRA health insurance I was having to pay for because I was pregnant. Um, And my husband didn't have health insurance through his job. He was still under his mom and dad's uh, because we were babies. We were not 26 yet. We had no money. I bought cheap, cheap, cheap cloth diapers on eBay to diaper our baby. I had to apply for so many jobs a week for unemployment. It's I think it's two job applications a week. But while I was doing this, my director, who I did count as a very good friend at the time, and she was a full-time pampered chef consultant. She stayed at home with her daughter and did parties and led her team. She was very like... Why would you want to go back to work? You're going to spend all your money on daycare, which daycare in the United States is very expensive. It's not like I had been rolling in the dough working as a lab tech. I wasn't making that much. But I also got little comments like, you know, if you take a part-time job at night, that really limits your ability. You won't have as many available nights to do parties. And they might go to another consultant if they really want thursday february 3rd and you are working at a restaurant that night wow and so guess what i did
0: I know exactly all, what you did.
1: I went all in on Pampered Chef. I was going to do two parties a week and I was going to make up my income. And I kept telling my husband, it's going to be fine. I'm going. I'm still going to pay these bills. Well, here's the thing. When my unemployment dried up, we were in the negative every month because we were paying the equivalent of our mortgage in his student loans every month. We had medical bills up the wazoo because we had this nifty little clause in my health insurance that said if my daughter was transferred to a different hospital while like i was still in the hospital uh, we had to pay a whole new deductible well guess what she had to go to the NICU and they rolled her down a hallway into another hospital that was physically connected to the hospital i was in and we paid a whole other health insurance deductible for my daughter so we were in debt up to our eyeballs to the hospital We had manageable credit card debt at the time that I lost my job, but now we're just escalating. We are just racking up the credit card bills left and right. We're really only making it because we're using our credit cards for groceries at this point. I was on a $20 a week grocery budget because that was all I could stand to put on these credit cards for groceries. So we lived on hamburger helpers. We ate so many of those. So many. And thankfully, my parents farm. So a lot of meat got just put into our freezer a lot of ground beef. My parents still butcher livestock for themselves. Like they still have five kids at home. And it's just the two of them. So they just have freezers full of meat. They blessed us. I think that's the only way we would have gotten protein in because we, yeah, 10 for 10 hamburger helpers. Gosh, we lived on those for felt like years. I could have gotten a job at a restaurant, one damn night a week. I could have stopped the spiral way before. Yeah, I finally snapped out of it. Well, were you mentioning any of this to your upline or any of your teammates? Yeah, like- I was. I was talking to her about how frustrated I was that we. I wanted to be debt free. You know, I never, I did not grow up in a household where it was okay to just rack up credit card debt. My husband's dad managed banks. That's what he did. Like, so we couldn't even really talk about what we were doing because we were supposed to be the kids in our families that had our shit together. And we 100% did not have our shit together. I mean, it's a sad reality for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The the way
0: that the systems in this country, the US specifically, because I have never lived anywhere else, but Mm -hmm. the way that the systems are are implemented, uh, just like pyramid schemes, like it's, I don't understand why it would be like that unless it's intentional Mm -hmm. to put someone in a, like the hospital industry being like, Oh, we're going to charge you for a whole nother thing just for wheeling them down the hospital. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that shouldn't happen. No, you shouldn't get fired because you're pregnant, especially if they want to take away your ability to decide that or not. Mm -hmm. Now you can get fired for being that. I mean, I don't yep. know what the rules are now. This was a while ago. things might have changed. But mm-hmm. still, the fact that any of this even existed in the first place is wild. yeah, like that you have a twenty
1: dollars a week grocery budget. that is I, I can't even it is nothing that. I can't even now I have two children now. twenty dollars a week does not even keep them in sandwiches for lunches because let no. me tell you, my son must be about ready to grow. He's five. He can eat like three sandwiches for lunch and still want to know what is for second lunch. Oh, I got a hobbit too.
0: (laughs) So you're, you find yourself, you said you were in $75,000
1: in debt plus your mortgage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was actually, I was doing some math and the $75,000 That mark was when I actually started counting down, which was October 1st of 2019. So we were actually probably closer to $85,000 in debt between when we had my daughter and when we had my son. So my daughter was born in 2014. We, trigger warning, um, we miscarried a baby uh, that we we're actually trying for. I had desperately wanted, I had been dreaming about this baby uh, for years um, in the fall of 2016. And then, surprise, one month later, because apparently I don't understand how ovulation works post miscarriage, uh, we ended up pregnant and my son was born in August of 2017. So, wow. I'm so sorry for your loss, but oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank rent. you. It's a weird spot to be in because. It was such a devastating loss, a baby. I had literally had dreams of this baby's face for years. But had that pregnancy continued, I wouldn't have my son. And he is amazing. Kind of my pregnancy with my son was really the catalyst of when I started to wake up and realize none of this is okay. A couple things kind of happened in quick succession. Right before I was pregnant with my son, my mom beat stage three lymphoma. Wow. Congrats to her. When I was devastated laying on the kitchen floor crying so hard because I, I had, for the first time ever in my life, been faced with a reality that, oh, shoot, I, I might lose my mom before I'm in my 60s and 70s. And my director told me that she really hoped I didn't let this distract me from my goals. Oh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, she didn't want me to, to get derailed because I was having such a hard time that my mom had freaking cancer, a really bad cancer. It's
0: this sort of stuff that makes Mm -hmm. me realize that the people that are in the MLMs have blinders on because it's about money and it's about just getting to that next step. Because Mm -hmm. I understand, you know, it's like playing a video game, being a part of like a raid in a video game. Like everybody has to do their job for it to work. When you've got somebody whose mom is, struggling through a cancer diagnosis and a journey mm-hmm. and your player isn't you know being the healer or the whatever they're supposed to be on the team to make all of the cogs work that, that it can be sort of devastating to that person in mm-hmm. a completely different way and we lose some empathy and humanity when we're put in these situations because you're no longer a person with a mother and a struggle yeah you're a really big portion of my paycheck that if you don't mm-hmm. get in your spot, I'm not going to get my paycheck. And that puts me in a really bad spot too. And it's really wild t- to see that because you said you're upland with someone that you considered friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I talked to her almost every day. I considered her a really great friend. I thought she would empathize with me because her mom passed away from cancer. Uh, oh my God. Before I knew her. And so I, went into this thinking like, okay, she's going to understand what's going on. And she, I think one time in the six months, my mom, so my mom had six months of chemo and then another two years of immunotherapy afterwards. I think one time in that six months of chemo, she asked me how my mom was doing. Now I see that I was just a transaction, just like, At the time, everyone in my life was a potential sale, a potential recruit, a potential host for a party. It's drilled into your head that everyone is some kind of transaction. This is the perfect
0: example of that. Mm -hmm. That This woman who knows that you're not only struggling financially and really even one night a week in a regular job would help. And she's still being like, But what if that's the one night someone wants to have a party? You have to Mm -hmm. leave it open. She knows what it feels like to lose a mother and to go through that struggle because she went through it and she's still, well, I'm really going to need you to be a team player. Like, I know it sucks. Been there. But Mm -hmm. like, it's it takes our humanity away. It turns us into robots. It turns us into monsters. And we don't see it because it's the frog in the boiling water situation. We adapt We become that because we see the people above us successful doing that. So we go, oh, I guess that's what we have to do. And we adapt and we don't ask questions. Yep. And then we become this, this hollow shell of a person who's like, make sure you get your numbers in.
1: Yep. Thankfully, my mom beat cancer. She's doing amazing. She's like five or six years cancer free now, which is amazing.
0: (laughs) Absolutely amazing.
1: And so then I got pregnant with my son. And while I was pregnant with my son, I decided I wanted to give back because, you know, we we received a lot of not benefits from the state because we actually made too much money to get food assistance. But like I cloth diapered my baby for pennies. And so an opportunity came up for me to actually take over a cloth diaper bank in my area. And so I did. I, it was my job to take applications for families in need. And then I would supply them with a stash of cloth diapers, as well as resources and education until their babies were three or potty trained, whichever came first. And I was, I was really proud of this work.
0: That's incredible work. You should be proud of that. I was so proud of
1: this work. So I remember one memory that sticks into my mind is when I was, Oh, this is not okay. So earlier in the day I had driven, an hour to meet a mom to give her cloth diapers. And this woman met me at a gas station. She had three kids in her minivan. I was giving her diapers for two of the kids. And she had a meltdown in the parking lot of the gas station because she had put their last $10 as gas into her minivan to drive to meet me to get diapers. Because at that point, they were choosing between groceries and diapers on a weekly basis. Uh, which actually one in four people in the United States parents have to choose between diapers and groceries. 25%. 25%. That's That's a statistic. Yep. So staggering. um, So I gave her cloth diapers and this woman just lost it. Tears was so grateful. I'm crying. I have my toddler in the backseat. She's crying because she doesn't understand why mom is crying. Um, And so I drive home and then that evening, I drive an hour to my team's monthly meeting because of course my team was not, there were Pampered Chef consultants in my city. But when I signed up, I just put the name of someone I knew from my hometown who was selling Pampered Chef. So I ended up in a team an hour and a half away from me. So once a month I was driving myself to an hour and a half each way to a meeting I was not making any money for that. And so I drive to this meeting and we were all supposed to go around the room and talk about one thing we did that we were really proud of. And I think the purpose of that exercise was so we'd talk about our Pampered Chef businesses. But I was like, you know what I did that I'm really proud of? And I tell this story of this woman I helped and I'm getting teary eyed as I'm telling the room. And my director looked me in the eye and said, you know what? She sounds like a great person who needs to join your team. Holy shit. And I, you know, I'm a I'm a recovering people pleaser. So I stutter out something about, oh, that's definitely against the rules. I can't recruit these women I'm helping, which I'm sure it was against the rules of the umbrella company that my bank sat under. But in my head, I was like, what the hell? She wants me to do what? This woman can't put gas in her minivan or buy groceries this week. But she wants me to have her spend at minimum ninety-nine dollars to join my pyramid scheme.
0: That is just the most disgusting. I already didn't like your upline, but like I that sobbed, really sealed the
1: deal. For I me. sobbed the whole way home, Roberta, because that was when it it really hit me that none of this is okay. Because I couldn't even give my time to an organization that I felt passionate about without that being. A transaction as well. And I was, I was sick. But of course, I'm pregnant. We're having another baby. Another six grand in medical bills are coming down that pipeline, whether I like it or not. And so I was going to stick with it, even though I was every fiber of my being now is screaming that this is not okay. But guess what? I still needed to make money. At this point, I'm visibly pregnant. And I learned the hard way the first time. It's really hard to get hired when I'm like a five foot tall person when I wear shoes. And so guess where my babies went? Straight out. I start showing at like a big old bump at 10 weeks. I have people approaching me at seven months pregnant being like, oh gosh, you got to be ready to pop any day now. Like I have huge bellies and, you know, employers don't, they're not clamoring to hire a visibly super pregnant person. And so, you know what? I was going to stick with it. So at this point, we are about $85,000 in debt. That's medical bills, my student loans, my husband's student loans. I believe we still had a tiny vehicle loan at that point, and we had just over $20,000 in credit card debt. And some things kind of happened all during this pregnancy. My husband got a different job because we needed better health insurance. Fast, stat. we needed better health insurance. So he got a different job that came with a little bit of a pay bump. I stopped spending our money on pamper check good like i stopped buying if my sales weren't there guess what they weren't there we had my son and i basically as soon as i was recovered started looking for jobs because i had this newborn baby i had a complication while they were delivering my son while my doctor hadn't expressly come out and said you shouldn't have more kids it was a unsaid thing that we shouldn't have more kids i trigger warning Had a repeat C-section with my son when they went to get him out. I had what's called a window, which is where my original incision in my uterus was just open. So they cut through my skin. They see baby, essentially. You can still have babies after that. But my husband was like, nope, nope. I almost watched you dive to have the first one. We had this thing happen the second time. That's it. I'm calling it. We're done. And so I'm snuggling this newborn baby one day. I've got my toddler laying across my lap, my new baby on my chest. I'm just soaking it in because this is is my last baby. Like, this is it. They're only squishy and tiny for so long. And my director calls me to check on me, and I was so happy. And, you know, because she was like the one person I talked to every day besides my husband. I mean, she was my adult contact on a daily basis. Although at that time, I had made... Some stay at home mom friends, and I was building myself a support system. And she asked me if I was, you know, doing anything for my business today. And I said, Well, no, I'm, I am snuggling these napping children and I'm enjoying the quiet. And she said, Well, you know, those baby snuggles would make a good reward for making your phone calls to get parties on your calendar. And
0: this woman straight
1: to jail. My heart just broke. My heart just broke. Roberta, because, you know, I'm still thinking she's my friend and I'm, I know she's a nice person and I've had my last baby and I'm still, I mean, I grew up in a large family. I was still, even while I was pregnant with my son, even though I almost died giving birth to my first child, I'm still thinking I'm going to have a bunch of kids. And now I've had my second and I have to come to grips with the fact that my family is complete. And I feel very blessed and privileged that I have my two babies, but I still had to go through a grieving process. I know not everyone is lucky to have any children at all if they want, but I was pretty devastated. And she's wanting me to put down my sleeping children and get back to work. And I wasn't interested in that. Not at all. I think I did. I did one party because it was already on my calendar before I had my son, but that was my last in-person party. I still did a few catalog shows here and there for the next six months, but that was it. I never did, never tried to get any more parties on the calendar.
0: I think like her manipulating you into using your children's affection as a reward is really gross.
1: Mm -hmm. And looking back now, I feel like I missed so much of my daughter's toddler time because I was on my phone trying to get. Shows on the calendar, trying to button up sales. Or I felt like I always had to answer everybody's messages in case they needed help with one of their products or, you know, a package <laughs> arrived and a stone was broken. Or so I felt like I wished away so much of her time when she was so little that now she's like this grown kid who asks me questions like, How exactly does lightning happen? Oh my gosh. So you said that you
0: wrote a phrase in your planner. Yep. That was sort of what's really snapped
1: you yes. out of it. So let's so talk I'm, about that. Let's see. Okay. It's now 2018 and I'm writing the words, be credit card debt free for like the third freaking planner in a row. I keep all my planners. And that one was in the front of like the last three years. And I was like, okay, this is, We've got to change something. And the only thing I could think of to change was that I needed to find a job, something part-time that was going to bring in consistent money. So I had applied to be like a package sorter at one of the package handling companies, like a 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. shift because then we'd only be paying for a tiny bit of childcare. And then I got that job. And then my husband found out he needed a surgery where he wouldn't be able to lift for six weeks. Which would completely completely put the kibosh on him having to take the baby to daycare. So I did not end up starting that job because there was no point. But what I did do is the first thing I did was a mom in my neighborhood. She was a chiropractor who had a baby that was five days older than mine. She needed to... She didn't have her own practice, but she was going to be covering someone else's practice while that chiropractor went on maternity leave. So she needed... 12 weeks of childcare. And I was like, absolutely. I've always thought that I need to watch other people's kids. As a stay-at-home mom, this is great. Yeah, I knew by about the end of week one that this was not going to be a thing for me because essentially I had twins every day. My baby screamed when he wasn't touching me. That was just how my baby operated. So I had to baby wear him. This other baby screamed when anyone else looked at her. So if my husband came upstairs, if my daughter tried to touch her, if my son tried to touch her. So I often spent my days with one baby on my back and one baby on my front. And thank goodness that was always intended to be a short term thing. But it taught me two things. One, I never ever have to think I need to do childcare for somebody else ever again. We just put the kibosh on that theory I've had for years. And the second thing was, is I got $75 a week and a check. And every week, I mobile deposited that check and I scheduled a payment to the lowest credit card. Okay. And for the first time in years, holy crap, we're actually making a tiny dent because we are paying $300 a month. It doesn't seem like a lot, but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing a thing. And so that was like a three month thing. And the next thing I did was I started a virtual assistant business because I could do it at night. For a couple hours a night, I was still home. I could still hold that baby that screamed when I didn't touch him. Because guess what? Until I weaned him at almost two, he wanted essentially nothing to do with my husband, which made my husband feel really bad, actually. Yeah. He, Babies are just kind
0: of weird sometimes.
1: Yeah. He tolerated my husband, but it was really only like if mom isn't here. And I've screamed for an hour and now I'm exhausted. Yeah, I'll let you hold me kind of thing.
0: Yeah. In the Um, beginning, I literally had to leave the house. mm -hmm. Like I had to not even be an option for my ex to be able to handle Abby and like deal. It was wild.
1: At that point in my life, I was part of a stay-at-home mom group. And we did a lot of play dates with our kids during the day. But one of the reasons I joined the group was because they had a mom's only book club once a month. Whoever picked the book that month picked the restaurant. And so I started when my daughter was not quite a year old. And I have, to this day, we still go. I mean, this is over seven years later. We still meet every month, the same group of ladies. But I knew when my son was a baby, when I went to book club, he screamed his head off the entire time I was gone. My husband would never say anything because he was not about to discourage me from doing the one thing I did for myself a month. But I also knew when I came home and my husband was totally haggard and exhausted and handing me a still awake crying baby that he had screamed the whole time I was gone.
0: We're just going to give some props to your husband for like suffering through that and being the dad and just being like, you know what? This is for her. This Mm -hmm. is part of the job description. What a good dude. That's a good dad right there.
1: He's he's really amazing. Right now, he's on this kick about he gets mad when I thank him for things because I'm not supposed to thank him for doing the bare minimum as a parent. More points for him. I'm working on stopping saying thank you. So I started my virtual assistant business and because I could answer emails for clients at 3 a.m. when we were doing a marathon nursing. So I started with two clients and within six months, I had eight clients and was working about 20 hours a week. just during nap time after bedtime during the middle of the night nursing sessions when i was wide awake and too wired to sleep anymore and oh my god we suddenly had money there was money i mean not a lot because we were st- at that point we're throwing all we can at this debt but like i could buy clothes for the kids the first thing i remember when i was like oh my gosh i've like actually made a difference in our household was I scraped together $200 in cash from my invoices that people had paid. And I walked into a consignment sale that happens twice a year in my area. It's like a three-day event at the state fairgrounds and like 3,000 families consign at this event. You know, it's, it's huge. And I walked into this place with $200 in cash and I bought a double stroller, a new convertible car seat for my daughter, new in the box all the clothes that I could think they needed for the next six months, because this was a fall sale and the next sale was in the spring for 200 bucks. And I cried all the way home because I did that. And I didn't have to drive an hour and a half each way for multiple parties to do it. I just did a thing during nap time and after bedtime a couple days a week.
0: I'm, I know no one can see me, but like I am smiling, smiling. My face hurts from like smiling (laughs) at like how amazing that this story ends. Mm -hmm. And I have my, I'm not crying. It's just raining on my face. My eyes are a little misty. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So it took you 26 months to be completely debt and MLM free. Yes.
1: And so that ticker started in October 1st of 2019. I started that ticker. A couple things changed right before that. One, I took a job with a photography company in the area as their operations manager. Basically, I went to a photo shoot because one of the freelance marketing agencies I was freelancing for at the time needed a headshot. And I only had crappy cell phone selfies. And so I did a photographer in the area was doing these little mini sessions for $75. And I signed up for one and she took my picture and she asked what I did and I was telling her and I was telling her this new program I was using and she was using the same program and having a hell of a time. I know this because the automated workflow to send my emails to me for my photo shoot had been messed up. And so, a couple months later she reached out and she was like, "Hey, can we meet for coffee and I want to see if like you can help me with this?" And so I walked in thinking she was interviewing me for a job. She walked in with her passwords and asked me two questions. How much are you going to charge me? And how much of your time each week can I get? Wow. I know. Uh, and so I I started at 10 hours a week just for her. And that very quickly escalated. But in September of that year, she and I went out to dinner, like a welcome to my team type dinner. And I was telling her about this, you know, I am going to make my family debt free. And she goes, how many hours a week do you need to work for me to make that happen? Wow. And so it was, it's was. it been a gradual transition and the pandemic did throw us off, but I'm now working full-time as just her operations manager. I don't have any other clients and I still work from home. I still make my schedule. But yeah, so I started the ticker on the debt count because I actually didn't know exactly how much we had in debt. So I started that ticker October 1st of 2019. So between October 1st of 2019 and... At the end of the year, 2021, we paid off $75,000 in debt. That included medical debt, my student loan, $52,000 of my husband's student loan. Yikes. Turns out when you go to five years at a public university and don't get any financial aid, it's really expensive. And then $20,000 in credit card debt.
0: Wow. And so the only debt that you have now is the mortgage on your home. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's incredible. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was hard work.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. Let's talk about what that hard work looks like. So the first step, I would assume,
1: Mm -hmm. in
0: figuring out how to tackle your debt is finding out how much debt you actually have.
1: Yes. So um, that was really hard, by the way, just emotionally to lay it out on the table, all the statements, everything, tally up what you owe. The second step is you actually have to have a budget. And when I say budget, I don't mean just a list of bills, So our household budget includes all the bills that are outgoing a month, but they also include putting $75 per car in a car maintenance sinking fund because we drive, for the most part, we did recently upgrade a car, but we mostly drive old cars that my husband buys from insurance auctions and fixes. So we needed a car maintenance fund we needed to put aside money every month for things like birthdays and Christmas because those come every year. So we needed money because we were not willing to give up traveling with our family while we were on this journey. Because at the time, three out of our four combined parents had all had life-threatening illnesses in our short marriage. And so we were, we're still going to travel. So For us, our budget includes putting a little bit of money into a travel fund every month, putting a little money aside so that we can buy clothes twice a year at a giant consignment sale for our kids. I still do that twice a year. I roll up with a rolling wagon and shop for basically everything my kids need twice a year at the sale. Now I do it because I'm putting money back into the pockets of the families who are consigning. I don't do it now because we have to, but to help those families. Our budget includes right now is the season where we're having to sign up for all the summer camps. So since last summer, I've been putting aside money every month to pay for summer. So like our budget is basically we have a what we're going to pay in the next 12 months. And then how do I make that work with the money we get this month. I think your budget is really
0: brilliant. And I know that people don't like use the word budget sometimes, mm-hmm. but here it is. You've got not only what you have to pay your bills mm-hmm. and all of that, but you also have the things that you're looking forward to yeah. as well. So you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm putting this $10 towards soccer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Here's the other thing that is just so brilliant. A lot of times kids don't get to do that kind of stuff because when it comes time to sign up, it's like $500. And you're mm-hmm. like, we didn't, we, we don't have yep. that right now. Yep. And I, I could imagine so many times I look at my wallet, I see like a five or a $10 bill, but I'm like, Oh, I'm going to swing through the drive-thru and grab a drink, grab some French fries, whatever. Mm-hmm. I could be putting that five, $10 in yep. a budget so that when soccer comes up, I'm like, Oh, I've got $427 in there. I only have to come up with another, you know, 70 some odd bucks and and we're good. It's really interesting because you're not just budgeting for what you have to do. You're budgeting for what you want to do so that you're not feeling left out on traveling. You're not feeling left out on going out to dinner, having date nights, doing extracurricular activities, and you're cutting corners on things that you don't really need to spend a ton of money on, Mm -hmm. like buying things on sale, going to consignment shops. Kids grow so fast. I have friends that spend so much money, like check out these shoes. I was like, why would you? Mm -hmm. Again, it's fun. If you want to, you want to. I mean, there's something to say about, A good seasonal shoe that your kid just destroys for $20 and you move on. We have some expensive shoes for things like hiking and sports, Mm -hmm. but our daily stuff.
1: I actually spend spend an average of $8 a pair for shoes at my consignment sales. That's so brilliant. And I'm talking like I buy keens and snow boots. I do a lot of parks and a lot of hiking with my kids every summer. And so I'm not buying just like cheap, cheap shoes. I'm buying like name brand things. Um, And so our budget, like while we were going through this process, we were still eating out every once in a while because guess what? Mama gets tired of cooking, but our budget was giving us permission to spend because we had a small eating out budget every month. We had a small budget for hobbies because my husband has a lot of 3D printers that he likes to play with. We had a a budget category that was savings for the dog because guess what? She's really old and it's like $750 every year when we want to get her teeth cleaned so that her teeth are still healthy. So she's not like cracking teeth now in her old age. Yeah. So the budget, it's the small picture of like, what do we have to pay right now? But also what do we have to pay in the next six months? What do we have to pay in the next year?
0: Here's another reason I think it's brilliant is a lot of times the reason that people who are okay and floating through every month Mm -hmm. get into trouble is because they're not preparing for the unexpected and the unknown, like an illness, like a dog getting Mm -hmm. sick, like a car breaking down. And so by even putting a few dollars every month towards something like that, you're also relieving the anxiety of yourself going, oh God, the car was making a noise today. Oh God, I hope we have a couple more months. Like You're like, Mm -hmm. the car was making a noise today and your husband's like, yeah, we should look into getting Mm -hmm. that fixed. And it's not a, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm just gonna let it hide. I'm gonna hide it. I'm gonna hide it because my anxiety can't handle it. You're confronting Mm -hmm. it head on and having open, honest communications about all of this and even saving For the, oh my God, moment.
1: Yeah. So a couple things I recognize that we were privileged in that we are a two income household. We also, my husband's super handy and is able to fix vehicles. We have the space and the tools to do that. Not everybody does. So the first thing we did was figure out what we actually owed to who. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk
0: about those scary numbers really quick. mm -hmm. So. Look, you know, the people that are going to see those scary numbers, that's you. It's you and your partner or whoever. It's not the social media world. It's not the Internet. It's not anybody you don't want to see those numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's really just going to be a battle of your own cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I spent so much. or Oh, my gosh. Like, what happened? Mm -hmm. Whatever. So those numbers, you have to look at them. You have to give them a tangible Name like you have to, you have to confront the demon. You just have to, yeah,
1: you have to name your monster. And so we did, ours were named medical bills, student loans that was the big scary monster, uh, and credit card debt. And how did you start paying them off? So we loosely followed Dave Ramsey's baby steps. A couple ways we strayed was Dave Ramsey advocates that you should throw all but, if you have money and savings, throw all but $1,000 at your debt to begin with. And that's your baby emergency fund for the period of time you're paying off debt. But but we knew we were dealing with a marathon, not a sprint, because $75,000 is not a small chunk of change. And at the time we were starting, that was basically our yearly income was that number. So, you know, you can't just throw all your salary at this. We've got two kids and a household to maintain. So we did our emergency fund first. We did about a month's worth of bills in savings so that we knew if my husband lost his job overnight, we could sustain for one month because it's not going to help us to throw all we've got at our debt if an emergency happens and we are absolutely up a creek without a paddle. So we saved about $2,000 and then we, we had a budget and if it wasn't a bill or a sinking fund, so like car maintenance, new clothes for the kids. I had a small Christmas fund every year. If it wasn't those things, it went straight to debt. Basically the way we structured it is the paychecks that came in for my husband because he's salary, they're regular. We know exactly what they are every time. His checks went to all the household bills, our gas and grocery money, and then everything else he threw straight at debt. My checks, because they were variable, they paid for the fun stuff. They paid for the car maintenance fund, the tiny vacation fund, the tiny Christmas fund, uh, preschool tuition, um, because there is like no such thing as free preschool in Iowa unless your child is four years old and then you get a small grant money but if you want to send your child to a three-year-old preschool, you're basically stuck sending them to a church preschool, which costs a ton of money. So, And I'm not cut out to do homeschool in any capacity, not even for preschool. I, I knew this pre having a preschooler. So I think we, that's good to know too, right? Because we ate time. that money sent yeah. her to preschool. <laughs> there are definitely things that you can do
0: yourself. Like if mm-hmm. you have a stay-at-home job then you might not need yep. as much daycare or preschool as someone else. Yep. I, it's it's interesting to, to know, like, I definitely know I didn't want to do homeschooling. And so yep. I needed a school budget. Mm-hmm. There are people that do homeschooling. They have a homeschooling budget. They don't need to worry about other things. So I think that's really important as well, is mm-hmm. knowing what your limitations are. And being like, well, it would be cheaper, but is it worth my sanity? No, we're going to do this instead. And really mm-hmm. knowing where you stand and where you can put that money. I have another question. Yes. Today, maybe you don't have as much at the end of the month to be or to, to put mm-hmm. this money in in your budget. Are you just like we'll talk about like a sinking fund. Maybe are we just instead of putting $50 in, are we only putting maybe 20 or are we just putting everything in one sinking fund and ignoring the other? That month? Um, how would you so- how would you do that?
1: Yeah. So for my variable checks, if there was one that I didn't one week, I ended up not working as many hours. um, The sinking funds are kind of prioritized. Like, let's say I already have a thousand dollars in the car maintenance fund. That's that's probably going to last us. Maybe we don't need to fund that one a month or, you know, it's October. So Christmas is Christmas is coming. Maybe the Christmas fund is the top one that needs to be funded and the home maintenance fund has enough money in it right now. We don't need to put money in there. So you kind of just prioritize. <laughs> my I'm like really a nerd and I had like a ridiculous spreadsheet and my husband and I would have budget meetings like pretty much once a week where we'd rework if something would happen. You don't need to meet once a week. That was just me controlling what I could control. You don't have like once a month, sit down with your partner. Uh, if you have a partner, go through the budget, make sure you're on the same page. Cause that was another thing is we had to be on the same page. We had to hundred percent right. agree on where our money was going. I was more on the lines, like, let's cut out all the extra stuff and throw it all. And my husband was like, hold up. I still want to eat pizza this month. Let's, let's slow your roll a little bit. Because he also knew me and that I'd be like, I'm not cooking tonight. What are we having for takeout? Even if I had said, I want to throw out the eating out budget and send it all to debt. I was still going to be like, I don't want to cook tonight. Let's do takeout. So he was the voice of reason that was like, okay, slow down, Amanda. Let's, let's
0: chill. Yeah. I really like the, the monthly budget meetings Mm -hmm. to really, to also just evaluate where some of that slush goes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. It's close to Christmas. Maybe we should put, oh, there's someone's birthday's coming up. Oh, so-and-so just got engaged. Their wedding's in July. We have to make sure. So I I like that. That's not, it's just me. So, I mean, I've never really had like Mm -hmm. a budget meeting with just me, but maybe I should. Maybe I should sit down and be like, you know what's coming up this month? I should probably put some stuff aside.
1: Yeah. Have a glass of wine and write your stuff down and just have a meeting. You can even bring Abby into it and like- What, you know, because, well, I, because we did so much budgeting, like my kids, the other day, my daughter was like, hey, I really want a gas station snack. And I was like, well, not today. And she goes, oh, because it's not in the budget this week. And I said, you are correct. So we don't give our kids concrete numbers, but they know, like my daughter knows she has maxed out on summer camps this year. We aren't booking her any more summer camps because we booked her four summer camps and her budget for summer camps done she's working on a fifth one <laughs> selling her girl scout cookies to get that fifth camp for free you know i so, love that so like I, I love
0: bringing the kid in i mean you said bring abby in and i immediately was hesitant but then after you described it i was like oh you know what we kind of already have those conversations like mm-hmm. hey we've already spent enough money today like we've got a lot of snacks at home because the gas mm-hmm. station snack is like yeah. always oh yes always always And so, yeah, like having those conversations and being like, "Mm, maybe not, it's not really in our gas station snack budget Mm -hmm. this week. Uh, I, I think it's important, again, as our children get older, they're going to learn their financial information from us. I was kind of left high and dry with my family. (laughs) I didn't really learn a lot. Didn't really teach me anything in high school either. I've sort of had to sort of figure everything out. And I don't want my daughter to feel like she's floating in a sea of, I don't know either. And so I think I like that, like bringing her in and being like, this is what it costs. Maybe Mm -hmm. not concrete numbers of what's coming in, but definitely showing her what's going out so that
1: she can understand, like, this is how much it costs to live. Yeah. This is how much it costs to eat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's little places we have started um, working with our kids. So when I go grocery shopping with them, they help me tally the grocery bill as we're walking because, you know, this week we might have $75 for the basic groceries. We shop at Aldi's. It's like super duper cheap. And we still don't buy a lot of meat because my parents still stock their freezers like they've got five kids at home. And it's just the two of them. So having them help tally the grocery bill or this past Christmas they we gave them each a budget to shop for each other as well as the two of them together had a budget to shop for mom and to shop for dad so they had to go with dad and shop with their budget for gifts for me which they did really great shopping for me I did a horrible job facilitating them buying gifts for their dad their dad basically got like candy uh (laughs) For his budget. I mean, that's I got, dads I got this, to shop for. I got like new slippers and I can't even remember, but I remember being really impressed with the gift he helped them pick out. And then I was like, oh, you got popcorn and candy. I'm sorry.
0: But- yeah. You know what? This year was the first year that Abby did that. She not only created, because she earned money, she was like, mom, I want to buy Christmas presents for people this year. Of, of course, I give her money for certain. Yeah. presents too. But she really wanted for her friends and for like her sister and her dad and me, she really wanted to earn the money and then spend the money. And I was like, okay, so she had a whole budget and she knew she counted up all the money that she had earned. She has this little budgeting wallet that she got on Amazon. She was putting the cash. She knew exactly. I think she saved like a hundred dollars or something. And then she was like, there's $10 for mom. There's $10 for dad. There's $10 for sister. There's $5 for this cousin. I mean, she budgeted it down. I helped because she did not budget for tax, but that's Mm -hmm. fine. The fact that I only had to pay like $10 for all of the stuff that she got just to cover the tax. I was Mm -hmm. so impressed that she had done that, that she had sat down and said, this is what I want to do. And that it meant so much more for her to have earned that money and spent the money that she had earned versus me just giving her a hundred dollars. Yeah. She was like, no mom, I want to use my money. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this ch- who is this child? But <laughs> just, it was really, really cool. And so, I mean, even now that I'm saying this and like talking about this, like I'm realizing that Abby is involved quite a bit and I want to make her even more involved. Just, I'm very inspired by your story and what you're doing with your children. And I guess one of the other questions I have is, there are a lot of really great resources out there. And I know that you guys mm-hmm. did it on your own. So mm-hmm. looking back on your journey and how long it took you, mm-hmm. would there have been any time in your journey where you would have been like, Hey, we have an extra thousand dollars. Let's hire a professional to help us with debt consolidation or management or investing or anything like that.
1: Um, So we didn't do a lot of investing while we were paying off debt. We are now to the point where we're about to bring a professional in because we have now saved an emergency fund, and now we're like, okay, now what do we do with the rest of this money that comes in? Because we we paid off this debt in the end of 2021, and essentially, aside from very expensive preschool for my son because he goes to preschool at like a science center, we have not changed our spending in any way. Essentially, so we're we're still kind of living like we're broke, and we're like, okay. All that money is just going into a savings account that makes us no money. So now we're starting to look into figuring out how to invest to that. It also would have been nice. I don't like the debt consolidation companies you hear on the radio typically are not as good as they actually sound because essentially what they do is you pay their the fees to them up front and then they wait until all your. Accounts go into default and then they negotiate with the creditors. Ooh, um, that so doesn't I, sound right. I don't typically recommend a debt consolidation. If you are to the point where um, you have changed your spending habits and you aren't using your credit cards, bringing in some kind of financial coach to help you like do balance transfers and things to take advantage of some interest savings, uh, I think would have been really helpful for us. Um but you have to get your spending under control first and not be because one time in the past we like transferred everything to a low interest credit card. And guess what we did? We ran up the other ones again because we hadn't changed our habits. Ah. So so yeah, once you've, you're not spending on those credit cards anymore, bringing in a, some kind of financial coach would be really helpful. Yeah. And it almost seems like you could just
0: add that as a budget. In the beginning Mm -hmm. and say, we're just going to put a little bit, a little bit. And when we're at the point where we're like, hey, let's bring in a professional, Mm -hmm. you then have a fund that's already ready for it because you've been saving, even if it's $5 a month, because you're Mm -hmm. like, we're not going to need those for a few years. Let's just put a couple bucks, a little extra here and there.
1: Yeah. Now you have to take this with a grain of salt a little bit, but Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, I think it's like $99 and you get access to the trainings for a whole year that can be a really great resource. He advocates for two things. He wants you to stop investing while you're paying off debt. We personally did not do that because we were not willing to sacrifice my husband's very generous 401k match. And we also, our baby emergency fund was bigger than what he allocates for a thousand dollars. So we didn't follow him exactly, but that's a good If you have no idea where to start, I think his first lesson on Financial Peace University is how to make a budget. So that's a good jumping off platform. There's another free resource online. She's called The Budget Mom. She does a lot of budgeting tutorials and she budgets by paycheck, which I think is very helpful, especially if you are not salary and you're hourly and you have variable income like I do. My husband is salary, but I I budget by paycheck because mine are a little different. Like my company did a huge conference last week. So my paycheck tomorrow will be very big, you know, but some weeks it might be, it varies. So the budget mom is a great resource as well. There's a YouTuber called Caleb Hammer. He does financial audit videos. So he brings everyday people like you and me on. They have to turn over their bank statements. Oh, wow. He goes through like, okay, do you owe money on cars? Do you owe money on student loans? Do you have credit card debt? And then he goes through their bank accounts, bank statements. And is like, okay, did you know you spent $300 this month on DoorDash? Or, you know, he just goes through your your spending, gives you a score, tells you things he would recommend changes you make in the next year. I've been binge watching his videos lately, and they're a lot of fun to watch and I think have a lot of helpful advice. So yeah, I'm going to throw all of those
0: resources in the show notes mm-hmm. so that people can sort of start their journey if that's what they want and start looking into things. I mean, I know I've heard a lot of like eh, about Dave Ramsey. I don't know mm-hmm. a ton about him. If you don't like Dave Ramsey, check out Tori Dunlop. She's great yes. too. She's yes. the opposite of Dave
1: Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, I think some of his financial advice is great. He's a very my way or the highway and does not take into account that. There are People a have lot lives. of different circumstances in your life. I also did, I used to religiously listen to his podcast, which promptly ended when the pandemic happened. Um, he had very specific views about the pandemic that I did not agree with. So you got to take it all with a grain of salt. Don't join the cult of Dame Ramsey. He is not the end-all be-all. He does have some great advice.
0: I think it's important, especially like now... Uh, in this day and age where you have so much really great information at mm-hmm. your fingertips, that it's important that you do your due diligence and figure out what works best for you and your situation. And you can cherry pick. You can be like, I really like what Dave says about this, but I really like yep. the way that Tori handles this. And I really like that guy on YouTube because he made me look and I'm spending way too much on drive through or I'm spending way too much on groceries yep. that I'm throwing away. That's another thing. Like, look at your grocery budget. And then when you're doing your shopping, Mm -hmm. clean your fridge out too and be like, well, there's the chicken wings I ordered. I didn't need. And there's the (laughs) lettuce and the bags of lettuce I bought because they were two for five that I didn't even open. Yes, And look at that too. And Mm -hmm. I think even meal planning, meal planning's great, right? Like meal planning is a really great way to budget too. You can buy, buy things that are in season, buy things that are on Mm -hmm. sale. If you've got the freezer space, you like chicken and it's 99 cents a pound, buy a ton of it and freeze it. Yep. Don't wait until it's $8.99 a pound when you want to make chicken. Like it's that sort of stuff too. Like having mm-hmm. the forethought, looking at the ads, all of this, it's all part of budgeting. Mm-hmm. And if you can cut out even a little bit on your grocery bill, just by putting forth a half an hour of, of work and due diligence and cutting out coupons and shopping the sales, think of that savings as something you can put in a fund. Yes. For an emergency or a vacation or mm-hmm. invest it and yes. let that money work. For you Mm -hmm. instead of just piling up more debt. Like there's, there's so much. And I'm so excited. I I love your story. I love how you did this. You did it on your own. You show that you can do it on your own, but you also had the foresight to be like a little help here or there wouldn't have Mm -hmm. hurt. So I think it's, it it makes working down your debt accessible to everyone. Not everybody can afford a coach or a course or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And so with you sharing your story and how you guys did it, I love it. I am so proud of you and your family and how you're thriving now. And you're it's wonderful. Thank you so much for, oh, thank for coming you. and sharing all of this with us. Thank you. Do you want to do some rapid fire questions? Yes, I've been preparing, and I still have to always have them and read them because I, <laughs> even though I've said these so many times, one hundred and so many times. I never remember. That.
1: I'm pretty sure your rapid fire questions were in my dream last night because I often stress a dream about like things that are like coming up. And so, yes, I'm pretty sure I answered these in my dream last night. Um, So I'm Perfect. ready. This will be great then.
0: Okay. One word that encompasses how you feel about MLM. Transactional. Ooh, that's a good one. Give me a warning to somebody who still wants to join one of these cults and scams. <sighs>
1: Really do a good hard look at time versus money in, realistic money in. If you're dead set on joining after that first month, calculate all the time you've spent on this. And I mean scrolling your phone, looking for new leads, driving to team meetings that are an hour and a half away, all the Zoom calls. Tally all that up and really... Take a good look at what your hourly wage is because every bar, restaurant, fast food place I pass right now is looking for help. I can guarantee you can make more finding another job, taking on one virtual assistant client. Any of those things are going to make you more money per hour, in my opinion, than an MLM. Yeah. I mean, if
0: if you didn't learn about the opportunity cost of choosing an MLM after listening to this episode, I don't even know what's happening anymore. What is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in MLM? Oh,
1: that it's okay to have a relationship with someone just because they're not all a potential party host. Like I can I can give my time and energy to someone just because I legitimately care about them as a person and it's not about what they can do for me. I love that and
0: give me a positive takeaway. Ah
1: uh, because I had to go into people's homes and do parties. And I'm a very introverted person. Like, so is my husband. I'm not even sure how we got together because had we not been forced to work on a project together, we probably wouldn't have talked enough to to get together. But going to parties and being in people's spaces uh, did help me get so much more comfortable with talking to people I didn't already know. I I love it. I love it. Um.
0: I think that's a really good positive takeaway. I love that you were able to break through some of those barriers and like be able to talk to people more comfortably. Cause I think it's tough. It's tough to get up and talk to strangers or to stand on a stage or anything like that. And I I, I battle back and forth trying to find some of the good in MLM. And I feel like helping people step out of some of their comfort zones is a good it's a good thing that came from MLM. Some of yes. them, not all of them.
1: Yes. Stepping out of your comfort zone can be good. Ignoring red flags and your body telling you something is not good is not a good thing. So there's a difference.
0: Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on the show and sharing your story and uh, hopefully giving some people some hope that are struggling with debt right now going, oh, you know what? I can do this because you can. You can do this. We can do hard things.
1: Yes. It's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be quick because there's no such thing as easy or quick money, but it's possible.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins.